Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast, episode number 151. After a week away skiing and then some logistical issues last week, we are back. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up, man? Lockdown on. We had the President's Day holiday. We had Ski Fest going on for both of us. It's been... Uh, been busy. I know shit's been going, getting real for everybody all across the uh, state. Yeah, we were really, really trying to get it done last week, either Thursday or Friday. But I, uh, I sort of had my house kind of bend me over and uh, give me the old one, two there because we just got back from our trip and it turned out I needed a new boiler, which for those who live in warm areas, it's, it's kind of like a furnace, but a little bit different. And Again, I'm not used to owning houses, so this is like annoying. And then the guy told me the price and I was like, huh? And yeah, so it was that. And then I had a big home improvement project I had scheduled for a while that I had to do this past weekend. So, you know, this is why you should never buy a house or yeah, just, just. That boiler is a, a fun thing because. You got to get it done. Otherwise, your house is just going to freeze up. Pipes are going to burst. It's- freeze. Your family's going to die. It's going to be your fault. And you're going to yeah. feel like an asshole on the end of the day. So, you know, trying you to avoid that. So, yeah. So that's why last week I was at Home Depot to like the minute they closed on Thursday. And I'm like, Mario, I can't do this, bro. Like, let's just push it out. And like I said, I had, you know, I had family members over helping me from like Friday through today, which is Monday when we're recording this. So. Yeah, I knew yeah. that was going to happen Thursday when you said you were going to Home Depot. I'm like, yeah, you. I know how it is. You're going to be there till the end. It's just this vortex you get sucked into. And then like you have all the stuff in your car and then taking it out of the car is a whole other project. Figuring out where it's going to go. And yeah. Yeah, little hiccups. Makes you realize that you should just stay on uh, your ski vacation. No, you stay on your ski vacation and have a friend with a ski house or condo and just mooch off of them because you know what, if the boiler goes, it's their goddamn problem. Not yours. You'll be like, Oh bro, that sucks. I'll bring a sixer over when I come over next time to make it up. That's right. man. That's the move. Yeah. So thank you everybody so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. I know we've gotten some, uh, couple people have been reaching out saying, Hey man, when's the next podcast episode coming out? And yes, it's we pissed a lot of people off, man. You know yeah. what? I, we don't want to piss. We don't want to piss people off. But you know what? It's just sometimes you need to just get that reassurance that people are out there and listening. So that was pretty cool. So thanks everyone for for breaking our balls. We do appreciate it and deserve it. Yes, deserve uh, it is right. Yeah, we do. So check out all of our information. SkiBumpPodcast.com. We're on all the socials: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at SkiBumpPodcast. We're on Pinterest. Have you been pinning it all? No, I didn't. Uh, maybe I don't know if I'll pin tonight. I gotta. Uh, early morning tomorrow. I'll pin, pin it, tomorrow. Pinning may happen tomorrow. So uh, we are the highfalutins there, right? Pinning ain't easy. Highfalutin without the S, I think. Highfalutin. I think that's what. Oh, we're highfalutins. Or highfalutins. Yeah. I don't well, know. It's been a while. We're on YouTube. Search for us. We're on SoundCloud with classic episodes. <laughs> highfalutin ski bum. That's right. We're all over the place, but really the best place to go is skibumpodcast.com. We have all the links to everything there. And you can hit us up with an email as you have been, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you everyone for 
hitting us up on DMs on Instagram and asking for stickers. I've been sending them out uh, almost a couple a day, which has been pretty cool. So thanks everyone for doing that. And hopefully you enjoy them. And thanks for, for sending out uh, your picks with the stickers all over the place. So that's really cool. So keep doing that. And if, again, if anyone wants one, hit us up on uh, Instagram or Gmail or whatever. And yeah, we'll get like, you. We got to do like hashtag stick picks. St- oh yeah. We need a good hashtag. Good one, right? Yeah. Pick. We need a good hashtag. Stick picks is good. Uh, we always use hashtag ski bum podcast and hashtag HFSB. Those are all of our, all of our tweets and or all of our Instagram posts usually have those. So yeah. HFSB, I think is the oldest one. That's that definitely the oldest one, but I've been doing yeah. both that one and ski bum podcast lately. Nice. So with that, Mario, let's kick it off. It's time for our pray today. Let's kick it off with what I'll play today. Um, so today I had to, had to do a nice little throwback. Uh, it's kind of like after a big trip. There's this, you know, it's this roller coaster. It's like it's like a bell curve. You kind of go up, you peak, and then you, you start coming back. You get on the plane and you start going down. Like your your you know your motivation just starts going down. It's like damn it. So I'm I'm picking it back up today with a little uh, Lawson's finest double sunshine. Ooh, the so, double. The double. Now, I had this on tap at the uh, the tasting room. It's Brian, you got to get up there this year. Uh, it is fantastic. Um, nice. I got to say, the, the sip is still my favorite. This is, it's, um, this definitely tastes like sip, a little bit richer. It's a double, so it's a little bit more, you know, boozier, but it doesn't taste boozier. It just tastes like more mature. It's like the older brother of Sip of Sunshine. Like a little more concentrated in the flavors, you think? Yeah, the 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 triple sunshine. I'm actually not that big a fan of. It was good, but it was definitely boozy. I could see that. You know how they how people keep them and they age them. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe the triple w- is better off if you get it and hold on to it for a while. Um, but this double is dynamite. It's uh, it's good. It's not an everyday like you know sip of sunshine. I could probably have like almost every day. Whereas this double. It's a nice treat, you know, once in a while, an occasional. Yeah, you gave oh. me a can from when you went up there to Lawson's last time, and I still haven't opened it yet, and I'm saving it for a special podcast episode. Nice. And I was thinking about doing it today, but considering it's a Monday. You just got to go up there and get some more. Yeah, that's the thing. And I have my triple too. So I have the triple. So I was thinking maybe I'll save that till the summertime. Mm. And I also have a couple of old, like probably 20... 12 bottles of dogfish head 120 120 yeah so maybe maybe if you come up we could have a little taste test a little summer you know like just bitch about how hot it is and look forward to skiing like bitch beer bitch bitch podcast episode yeah yeah i've heard the 120 i've heard between three and five years is the magic number well baby we're almost at seven so we'll see if things get weird it's good I think I have a four pack of my mother-in-law's that's only about two years old. Like, again, I have it. It's weird. I have it just, I have people like stashing it all over the place for me. So <laughs> you know, it also kicks my ass. Like when I have it, like 120 is definitely, you start having, you just have one and it's like, it's a blurry night. Uh, yeah. One. Like a six or eight ounce pour is probably all you need. It really hits you like, like an anvil, you know, like a, like a, like a hammer on top of your head. Oh yeah. Um, what hits me hard is the space dust. The Elysian space dust. Really? I love it, but I tell you something, something in it. I don't know what they make it with. It just gets me going, woo. Hmm. So 
But anyway, Double Sunshine is good. Uh, it's eight percent, so it's not it's not too bad. I mean, I think the regular sip is like what seven something seven Look at seven, right? Yeah, and this is at eight, so that's not too bad. It's double, so um, you'd think if it was truly double, it'd be fourteen, but <laughs> I don't have the math up in Vermont. Yeah, that's I guess the well, the triple I think is like twelve. It's like ten or twelve. I don't remember which one. But the um, yeah, take a look. Dogfish one twenty. I think they say twelve plus. They don't even rate it, but they some people speculate it might be as high as fourteen. See, the sip is eight. Oh, sip is eight, and the double's eight. eight. Yeah, but so really, it's not double anything. It's just the same. It's double flavor. Double flavor. Double everything but the booze. Well, I guess the double. It's the process they go through, right? See, they should name it D O P P E L, like doppelganger. Doppel. There so could be. Double sunshine. So it's like the same but different. You know, it's funny. I go to these places and there's one brewery that, oh, uh, our buddy John was visiting last week. So he came on Wednesday and he came to visit on probably the worst day of the last month. It was raining and it was 50 degrees. All the other days were like 70 degrees, like great biking weather. So we got on the bikes and we rode up and did a little beer tour of all the breweries uh, in Dunedin, in Florida. And uh, there's one brewery that that insists on making like doubles, triples, and quads. And I'm like, I'm not a big fan fan of the quads and the triples necessarily, but um, the quads, it's almost like you're doing it just because you're doing it. You really don't care if it tastes good. Yeah, it's like gimmicky, right? Like it just, mm. I don't know. They never taste great. Let's put it that way. Maybe you got to hold on to them in Asian too, but. For a, a microbrew that I've never heard about before, that's decent, that's local, great. But I'm not holding on to your beer for that long right now, necessarily. Yeah. There's so much room in the fridge. There's a whole lot, you know. When you have when you have brands like you know Lawson's and Hetty Topper and um, Pretty House and um, Hill Farmstead, you, you kind of you know your fridge gets very small for other beers very quickly. Makes sense, yeah. Just not enough room. Yep. So what do you what do you sport in there today? All right. So I just posted on Instagram what I'm drinking, and you know I'm feeling a little under the weather. I just I'm just my immune system is just beat down. Uh, so like I said, I was mentioning I was doing some home improvement over the weekend, and I had my wife's aunt and uncle came over, and her uncle's like a, a woodworker, and he's a bourbon drinker. So the one night again, nice. we're like you know we're getting started early working on stuff. He's retired, so he just usually sleeps in and hangs out late. We ended up watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia till two in the morning and drinking <laughs> bourbon like Saturday night. And then I had to wake up like four hours later and I am not recovered from that. Like, I'm, except I've been working all day the last three days, which is like the long weekend. We're supposed to chill out and get kind of recuperated. I've been just like doing like blue collar labor the last three days. So it's Dude, been, when uh, you do home improvements, like I was fixing this place up for like a few months, you start drinking while you're doing the home improvements. And well, see, we were if you're using, doing it every day, well, you drink every day just about. We were it's using crazy. power tools. So he's kind of got a rule like, hey, if I'm using power tools, I'm not drinking. So the one that we worked till like nine o'clock at night. And now actually it was almost 10 because I was like, we got to stop cutting because my neighbors are going to get pissed off. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, we were like working the freaking table saw till like 10 o'clock, like cutting stuff. But then again, we had the bourbon. We were just up till two in the morning, whatever. Watching Damn, it's always man. sunny. <laughs> so <laughs> my immune system is kind of beat down right now. I, uh, if you saw on the Instagram picture, I have my Colorado 
coffee mug that oh, I, nice. it was all I wanted on this trip was to get, actually I wanted a pint glass too, but I didn't get one because I ran out of time and the airport didn't have them. So I got a Colorado coffee mug, which makes me so happy every time I drink out of it, which is every day. But I have some throat coat tea, which I've had in the on the past. Oh, in the nice. podcast. It just, I'm starting to get a little, that little tickle in the throat, you know, and I'm trying That's to traditional medicinals, right? Traditional medicinals. Their stuff is fantastic. Shit, man. Yeah. Try to nip it in the bud before it gets bad. And as I also had on the picture, I have my fire cider that I made oh. back in either November or December. I made You're drinking uh, two, that again. Well, I made the two big ball jars full of it and I'm going to drink. Batch? Yeah, because I kind of I drank it for a bit in December, and then I kind of eased off in January. In the last couple of days, I've been making sure I've been drinking it again. So I think I have to break it out and drink it live on this episode because I think my reaction is just you know I think the audience deserves it. So actually, I have my my throat coat here as I was mentioning, but I also have some Chivas Regal Scotch nice. in there. Why Apparently, don't you just mix it with, why don't you just mix it with a little Malort? Just uh, get it over with. Dude, you know what? I think the Malort might actually be good in tea. <laughs> I think that actually could be its calling. I don't think it's good in anything, dude. Or just like burn a hole in the tea bag and like just all the stuff just falls out of it. Hey, the little concoction you made sounded rough. Add Malort to that. How about that? Dude, I might put some... Oh, you know what? I need to get a... a it's already of, horrible, right? You know what? I think I might need to put a little... All right. So you know here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little experiment. Strainer? Strainer and strain it into there? I have the Malort over here. Do you it, man. I need you to carry the show for like a minute so I can get a cup. All right. <laughs> got this. All right. So if anybody doesn't remember, Brian made this fire tea or whatever the hell it was. He posted something and he didn't make it sound too appetizing. It's pretty nasty. It has like, I don't know, a whole bunch of crap in there that I'm like, really? And you're supposed to ferment it. Now he's talking about the second half of this batch that he made back then that Sounded pretty rough when he drank it originally. And this is the fermented version of that same batch from what he's saying, right? Yeah. So what we got in here, we, it looks like, I don't even remember what I put in here. There's, I think there's onion, garlic, horseradish, jalapenos, uh, peppercorns, lemon juice, and apple cider vinegar. That's it's what like this, a weird vinery salsa. Vinegary oh, salsa plus, right? I put a bunch of turmeric, like powdered turmeric in here too. Oh yeah, that's gonna that's gonna make it taste better. So, and I have the malort here. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do the first. I'm gonna do two teaspoons of just. You you gotta take a video of you doing this. You gotta put the video on. Yeah. Oh my god, the smell. (laughs) Oh, it just smells like it's almost like someone took like salad dressing and put gasoline in it, and is like, "Would you like this on your salad, my friend?" So wait, that's both of those things open, or is that just the malort, <laughs> or just the? No, the malort's not even open yet. Damn. Was there booze in that when you made it? Um, no. Oh, it's oh. just vinegar and stuff. Yeah. So what's in it at a high level? So I'm gonna. I just told you. Oh yeah, the onions and all that. Yeah. Onions. It's got jalapenos. So I'm gonna record this video as well as I'm talking to you on the podcast about it. So I got apple cider vinegar. There's horseradish in here. There is onions, jalapenos, peppercorns, powdered turmeric, apple cider vinegar, and lemon juice. What I'm gonna dude, do. Dude, the turmeric is so good for you, but I tell you what, it's a tough, it's a tough taste. So I'm gonna take two teaspoons of just 
the uh, just the fire cider right now. All right. Damn. So that's what it is in there. Yummy, yummy, yummy. And here we go. <laughs> so that that induces vomiting right <laughs> oh my god it just oh like it, it's it's just uh, I, I can't even it's, it's so hard to describe it really is like it was like salad dressing and gasoline together it woke you up though Whoa. i see you getting all like Ooh. oh my god all right <laughs> so now we're gonna do we're gonna take the same thing. We're gonna do two teaspoons again. Like stupid this. human tricks, man. This is great. Yeah. So we're gonna do two of this. Actually, no, let's do three. Let's get a little weird. So we got three teaspoons of this. And now we're gonna add some of Chicago's Besk. A little bit of Malort. The Besk. All right, a little splash of Malort. Oh God, why am I doing this to myself? This is all name of science, Frank. Brian, 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 Brian. Come on, man. You can do it. See you in hell, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a double barrel, like. Oh. oh, I got like like full body goosebumps from that. Damn. Oh. oh. Damn, I'm getting chills. Like, douche chills just watching that. And the Malort. It actually helped at first, and then it stopped helping and started hurting. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the champagne of pain with your <laughs> your your fire, your concoction of fire. It's just it's kind of like this upcoming season of Game of Thrones in your mouth. Yeah, it's like dragon fire, like the little can it's of dragon, like ice dragon, and then the regular dragon. They're just battling it out. They pissed into a cup and you drank it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Damn. Oof. Well, that's one hell of an outbreak scheme, man. I tell you what. Oh, the app can you imagine pain. That? The app pain you... today. Well, how about this? Would that concoction without the malort be good in a Bloody Mary? No. <laughs> it be good in anything. It's not good in anything. Damn. It's just. I actually had a, a Bloody Mary last week willingly. I just felt like having a Bloody Mary. I've been trying to trying to force myself. I don't even know to, you anymore. I, I've been trying to force myself to have it, and then now I could have it, and it doesn't it doesn't give me the willies. It's all right. It's, it's a like good sipping. Like, it sounds kind of like how you're supposed to be in prison. You're like, you know what? I'm not supposed <laughs> to be taking it in the rear, but you know what? I'm here. I'm going to be getting it. I might as well just try to embrace it. That's right. You're drinking before twelve. You might as well throw one of those on the uh, on, on the agenda. There you go. So I'll post the videos of me drinking oh. that nonsense. But I actually Damn. feel worse now than I did before. So. So that's not your whole opera though. Like, is that? No, I have my delicious tea with my scotch in it. So that's so actually the, the, uh, so the hot toddy, the hot toddy ish. Yeah. It actually, it actually tastes so much better right now after drinking that stuff. Ah, uh, sure. Mm. Yes. So, damn. so what do we have now? We got a couple stories here to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Got some stuff going on in the, uh, the beer industry, I believe. So yeah. You want to take the first one? This is. Oh, Sure. So our buddy Nick sent this over to us. So thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Treehouse, who we have talked about a lot in the last year, they are now buying a Connecticut farm. Nice. They announced this past week that they are purchasing Pride and Purpose LLC, a company run by Treehouse founders. Wait a minute. Did I fuck that up? 
They purchased a 94 acre farm for nearly $1.6 million. And it's going to be known as Treehouse Orchard and Farm Fermentary. Hmm. About 10 miles away from where they are located in Charlton, Massachusetts. So it sounds like uh, they're going to be doing ciders and fermentation. So maybe distillery, maybe like a whiskey, vodka, gin, something like that. Well, I think somebody said something about um, maybe getting into the, uh, what do you call it? The cider. Yeah, facilities and make cider. So you do fermentation facilities and make cider is what their plan is to do. That should be, I mean, I'm sure whatever they're going to make is going to be unbelievable because their beers are so good. Well, hey, man, you know, everybody's looking at like Citizen Cider is like top notch. Uh, and then you look at all the ciders on the market now, like, you know, Strongbow. Uh, what's the other uh, one? The uh, Angry Orchard. Angry Orchard. And the um, what's the other red one? Something red. I'm not uh, even sure. The know, only but... cider I'll drink is probably Citizen Cider. Citizen Cider is good. It, this stuff's great. I don't know where you can find it, though. Can you find it by you? By us, you can find it all over the place now, yeah. They're starting to expand more. Just the main one? I did that tasting. So we went to the tasting up in Burlington, and that was nice. You got to taste all of them, and they have, like, their flagship one, which is, um, which is uh, I forgot which one that is, the main one. The one that's everywhere. Not the Not- Dirty Mayor. It's the... Um, uh, the unfiltered, um, whatever it is, but they have their main one. And then they have all these dry ones that are just fantastic. They almost taste like champagne. But yeah. The dry hopped ones. Oh, the unified press, that one. Unified press. That's our flagship one. It's yeah. a little sweeter. It's a little more, it's like right in the flavor of like the angry orchard or anything or something like that. Um, but yeah, they have other ones too. They make so some yummy ones. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see them get into that. It's a, it's a big, it's a huge market right now. Oh yeah. Big time. So it's cool to see, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it's big now, but if you get these big independent breweries jumping into it, it could get really crazy. Yeah. It's nice too. Like sometimes you just don't want beer, but you want something that's not like a mixed drink or hard alcohol. Yeah. And I'm telling you like that dirty mare. And I think I've mentioned it. We talked about the podcast before. It's got like it's ginger and um what else? Um uh, I think that's the big piece of it is the, the ginger part. Ginger, yeah. And it talks about it's cool because they mentioned that the pairings are good with fried chicken, Thai cuisine, sea bass, and vegetable pho. But I will tell you, having that with sushi is out of this world. Sounds Sammy Mare and sushi is awesome. That sounds delicious. So good. So there. Um so there. So there. I said good day. I said good day. So uh, Unified Press. Then they have the WTFs up. They have the Big Juicy and the Prodigy. Those were awesome. Like they were like, a few of them were made with champagne hops. Like it's uh, a champagne yeast. So it like makes it like a champagne. Awesome stuff. Oh, wow. Nice. So those are harder to find. You got to go up, you know, while you're in Vermont, you can probably find them. But uh, elsewhere, you have to probably find someone to uh, ship you one or something like that. But that'll be cool to see them uh, branch out and do something. With yeah. Them. And we got one more story. 
One more story. So Constellation Brands, if anybody doesn't know Pacifico. So Pacifico, it's a cerveza. So again, just like Dosaki's getting into the ski industry, um, Constellation Brand has named Pacifico the official beer partner of the U.S. Ski and Snowbirds team. So, um, yeah, they, they announced a multi-year partnership with Pacifico. Um, which is a Pilsner style. I believe it's kind of like a Mexican beer, right? Or a South American yeah, that's, beer. Yeah, that kind of like light, the Corona-ish style beer. Yeah, so they're saying, you know, and it's good for them because they're actually going to help sponsor events and, and the team and stuff like that. So that's part of the, part of the deal. So, um, hey, you know, say what you might about some of these beers that you may or may not like, big big brands or brands that you don't like. They're sponsoring the ski team, man, ski and snowboard team. So I got to give it to them. That's that's pretty good. So it's a drinkable lager imported from Mexico, uh, started by three Germans in Mazatlan, Mexico in 1900. Wow. That's just messed up. So German people went to Mexico, started this beer, and now it's the official beer of the u.s ski and snowboard team <laughs> so, i mean is that like could that be any more unifying of the entire planet that's like it's it's the mixing pot you know the melting pot it's of weird the US. that of all the constellation brand beverages that pacifico would be the one they had to sponsor the u.s ski and snowboard team it is weird they've been pushing that one like a lot of places like in the last few years i've seen it more and more and it's not a bad beer i'll actually drink it once in a while but like you know it's nice for a little little change of pace. Um, it's kind of like, I guess in the Corona realm, but it's not, it's better than Corona. I think, I don't know. Um, but it, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I guess they just get a beer that kind of hits a profile and that's the one they want to push. And there you go. That works. I'm not mad at that. Ain't mad at that. So, Look out for it. Don't be surprised if you see a Mexican cerveza sponsoring snow sports for the U.S. That was originally started by Germans. Yeah, that's just, I love that little story. It's just bizarre. Bizarre and awesome. Beautiful madness right there. So, escaping World War II. Um, that was like before World War One, man. I'm joking. Because that's what I always think about when I this hear This isn't about. like Bariloche here where they're like, yes, we must, uh, we want to move to Argentina and start a ski resort, yeah. Oh, man, what was it? It was, I was watching uh, History Channel. I had this whole thing about Nazis where they escaped to, and it was uh, Portillo, Portillo, uh, oh, it was Chile. Oh, Portillo, okay. They actually said, and it was these... Um, is conspiracy theory. So it's even better because it's wacky people just try to draw conclusions from it. And like they had bunkers in there and they have proof of these bunkers. And I'm like, yeah, this shit makes sense. <laughs> Cause you watch those shows and they put it in such a way that like, yeah, I believe it too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they dug a tunnel man from Germany all the way to Chile, man. They could do it. The Nazis had the technology. They had it, man. Hitler was there, man. He was skiing. You saw saw that giant cannon they built. They could just build that same thing underground and shoot their way all the way down to Chile. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Uh, But you got to watch it. It's, um, I think it's on Netflix. It's called Conspiracy. It's just, it's funny. It's good stuff because it makes you think. But I'm like, no, it doesn't make you. It doesn't make you think. It makes you go insane. You can't watch too much of it because you'll be like, you'll be like hidden in your own bunker in your house thinking 
everything's out to get you. We talked about it before. There was one night after we podcasted <laughs> where I started, we, we had, we were talking about some conspiracy and I went down a rabbit hole and I was, I was almost on board for the, uh, the conspiracy that Rush Limbaugh is actually Jim Morrison. And I think oh, yeah. like, the government actually like got a hold of him and like reprogrammed him and, I was, uh, I was like, this. I can see that whether they, this would make perfect sense, and I was almost on board. And I'm like, you know what? I am going to stop looking at conspiracy theories because yeah. I know I have that part in my brain who wants to believe this shit. And if I start getting down that rabbit hole, I'm going to start believing all of them. So, have you done the the uh, Denver airport, the Google Denver airport conspiracy? No. Oh, oh you you've mentioned this one I think before. Yeah, so my girlfriend never saw it either. And I'm like, you got it, you got it. And I still haven't given it to her because she she gets she goes down the rabbit hole with all this stuff too. And I'm like, yeah, it'll this is like hours of reading. You're like, holy shit, this is real. This is really happening. So it's oh pretty funny. They're doing a lot of construction at Denver Airport, I can tell you that right now. That's hey, see, that's what it is. And then they start like it's just like how they estimated the straws, the plastic straws saving the environment. It was like yeah. some little kid came up with that number. They did the same thing of here's how many metric tons came out of the Denver airport. They must have a whole underground thing. And I don't know. We laugh about it, but you know what? There's, there's probably secret society down there saying, ha ha, we do have a secret layer down there. Dumbasses. I can tell you the shittiest airport Starbucks I've ever been to Denver airport. Oh, calling you at Denver airport terminal B in your face, in your face. Yeah. I think it was one of the like, fake Starbucks. Like if you buy like fake handbags, like one of those guys like, yeah, man, we got coach. We got Gucci, whatever. They're like, Dude, yeah, we could put up a scientist as Starbucks and like, we just have coffee. So with that, speaking of Denver, let's get into the Genjula. And we give a shout out and a thank you to our boy, Frank, for his recent bean of the week. I it is called the punch bar. Boom. Boom. Indeed. So what the punch bar is, it is a chocolate bar that you can either get with milk chocolate, s'mores, caramel bits, and it packs 225 milligrams of THC. That's a shitload in a tiny little bar. That is a lot of freaking THC for a small bar. This is a 20, how many grams on the bar? I think it's a 22 22 gram gram bar. Which is tiny. Yes. It's like a... What the hell were those like square can- like chocolate bars used to get back in the day? Not like a little, not like a Dove bar or something, but yeah, something like just a little. Almost like the ice cubes. You ever see those? They're bigger than those though, aren't they? Uh, each each little square is like an ice cube. Oh wow! So they're really tiny. Yeah. So let's see. Twenty-five divided by nine. We're talking about twenty-five milligrams in each square. Yep. So they actually got a couple different flavors. They've got dark chocolate almond, milk milk chocolate malted crunch. I still don't get what malt is. Uh, I know I don't like it though. It's like a malt, malt balls. You but malt, well, what is malt? I don't know. Malt's uh, malt. I don't know. <laughs> malt is malt, bro. Oh man, shut up and eat it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. That's it. They also have s'mores, milk chocolate, caramel bits, toffee milk chocolate, and milk chocolate. So, all right. So, coming from Frank, he said um, he knows a guy that had 37 milligrams of this, cube and a half. And he said it got weird. He said, 
fantastic high, <laughs> delicious chocolate. He said, but the 35 milligrams was probably a bit much. 25 is probably perfect. But if you're not a frequent user, which I am not, um, there's a 10 inside way from, you know, start with the 10 and work from there. So basically if it's 25 milligrams per cube, then like cut it in half and work, work on a half a cube at a time. Yeah, it's definitely good advice because you don't want to be jumping in at 25 milligrams, especially if you're not a seasoned user because you could uh, things well, get very weird and uncomfortable very quickly. Well, that was like BC where I bought that that 300 milligram bar oh, and God. each section was like 60 milligrams. I'm like, there's no way, man. Holy crap. Yeah. It's like I was shaving shaving pieces of the bar. I'm like, I, I can't eat that this much. It's like shaving the truffles. Almost. Yeah. That's like, all you need. I just want to eat a piece of chocolate. You get two shavings and you're good to go. Life is just like a box of chocolate. You <laughs> never know when it's going to get weird. Life is like a box of punch bars. <laughs> you eat more than three, shit's going to get weird. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one review and they say, easy to break off, save the rest for later. And who doesn't love chocolate? So they don't say anything about eating too much, which... I'm sure that's a, always a, a thing, especially the gummies. They look so delicious. You know, you just want to eat, you just pop them in your mouth. That's right. I've got something else, right? Yes. You want this bad boy? Now go ahead. Here's your your baby. Yeah. So the weed trimming robots are here. The story is from weedmaps.com. Imagine making $200 an hour trimming weed. Imagine working only a few months a year and then you were free to travel the world. Damn. This is the life of a trimigrant, seasonal workers who descend on Northern California's Emerald Triangle to spend a season trimming plants. But with dropping prices for weed, the job of a trimmer is not as lucrative as it once was. And the prices, as their prices fall, farmers are faced with having to cut costs. Easiest ways, cue the robots. They got a robot trimmer, huh? Yeah, a company called Bloom Automation launched in 2017 has developed an automated image-based robotic trimmer able to recognize the different parts of the plants and separate them faster than a human. Essentially, you're loading conveyor belts with the branches which enter a cell where the robot or robot arm is contained along with cameras that image the branches. The computer then analyzes the data and guides the robot to a specific location on the next plant, it gives a whole different set of actions because it's looking at a different plant and the sensors are making new decisions. Hmm. They said their accuracy is about 95% right now. Wow. Yeah, the actual removal of leaves is at 85%. Can you imagine if it was all bullshit and it was just random? <laughs> These yeah, things right. are just going and trimming shit and they're like, yeah, that's all right, they work. Yeah. Well, I just was thinking that this, this sounds like the plot of some sort of like uh interesting sci-fi movie where maybe, you know, the, the, the robot is trimming the weed and just starts consuming it somehow. And it's little robot brain gets altered. It becomes uh, a real, a real like sentient being. It's right. And then they start taking over the world. It's that yeah. Skynet. Or they start becoming super chill. Being like, the, the, you know, really cool robots. Super chill Skynet robot. Yeah. Um, I guess imagine like a uh, like a half baked version of Skynet. That'd be pretty cool, actually. A Friday, you know? Friday like, version, like the Jim, like Jim Brewer is like the head of Skynet, like that version of it. The Terminator Friday version. Yeah, that's not man. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, this is pretty funny, but uh, $200, can you imagine doing that? Like $200 an hour. That would be freaking great, man. I know, right? Well, you ever see those guys like when they're trimming it, how like fast they work? It's pretty crazy. Yeah, but think about like, that's true though. Like do that all summer and then ski your ass off the rest of the year. That's a Make great all your money. Yeah, yeah. Work like eight months, you know, and just freaking take off and travel and you got weed. I mean, that's true. Your last day, you make sure you take some with you, some freshies. <laughs> You're good I'm to sure go. you get, like employee discount. You'd be selling that on the side too. So you get an ah, extra money. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a bad batch. A lot of extra, uh, extra leaves here. We couldn't use money on top of money, bro. That's it. Not a bad idea. Yeah. I got to believe though, like the tobacco companies have some technology like this working for tobacco too, right? That's what they do. Probably. Yeah. That's crazy. Let's go to ski news. First up, this is a big news story that happened about a, a week and a half ago. Vail Resorts has added Sun Valley and Snow Basin to the Epic Pass. Wow. That wow. Epic Pass, man, just keeps growing and growing. And this is big for Utah because of all the, the great resorts they have out there, there had only been Park City on the Epic Pass. So now you got another another nice option up in Snow Basin. Yeah, and, that's really cool. And Sun Valley has always been just this, you know, one of the oldest resorts, first resort to have a, a lift. And they've always been kind of, you know, fiercely independent. And, you know, they weren't sold or anything to Vail, but, you know, I'm sure they're seeing their numbers affected by not being part of one of these passes. So we've talked about it in the past, you know, like there's going to be ugliness that that kind of comes out of this you know, duopoly that's happening right now between Icon and Epic. And, you know, a lot of these resorts are just having to throw their arms up. Like, listen, we got to get out of one of these because we're not getting the, um, you know, we're not getting the additional dollars spent at the resorts, whether it's lodging or food or, or whatever to, you know, to make up the, the money that needs to run the resort. So yeah, it's good and bad. If you're an Epic Pass holder and you want to get to Sun Valley for a couple of days, that's awesome. If you're, uh, you know, used to the nice, uh, you know, used to the crowds as they currently are at Sun Valley, it's probably a really bad thing because it's going to definitely get more crowded because of it. But I wonder how it is this weekend. This being President's weekend, right? Yeah, I'm sure it'll be mobbed. Oh. like everywhere. All right, next up. All right, next up, and this is kind of a follow-up to the Gwyneth Paltrow uh, article, not per se to her, but just to something like it. So in uh, Ski Liberty, which is, I believe, in Pennsylvania. Uh, yes. Look it up mm-hmm. just now. So it's uh, south of Harrisburg, Hagerstown. I have no idea where this is. Frederick. Gettysburg's not too far. York. But anyway, um, yeah, probably not too far from Baltimore, it looks like. Um, anyway, so there was a skier that was um, severely hurt in a crash. And um, there was a judge. It went, it went to court. Uh, U.S. Court of Appeals uh, for the Third Circuit. The judge, um, Michael A. Chargers Chagaris, wrote his opinion that... Um, Uh, It was in violation of the Pennsylvania Steers Responsibility Act. And that um, basically, water all down, it says, um, so they they basically said that skiing is 
an inherently risky sport. So uh, they basically said that, um, you know, it's kind of, you got to take responsibility for being out there. So the guy got really messed up. Um, 21 broken ribs. Oof. I didn't know you had that many ribs in your body. Like, is it really 21? I mean, shit, that's a lot of ribs. I thought you had like 12. Yeah. How do you get 21 broken ribs or 21 breaks in ribs? Like multiple breaks on the same rib? It says 21 broken ribs. I don't know. I got to fact check if you even have 21 ribs because that's news to me. Anyway, a shattered hip, a fractured skull, a lacerated liver, punctures to both lungs, spinal nerve and vision damage, and a separated shoulder, according to the suit. So they're saying that an experienced skier claimed um, the resort was negligent regarding the crash, saying that he was skiing behind his daughter and was nearly rammed by a snowboarder. The nearest caused him to veer off trail and go off a five-foot five foot high bank onto a rock pile. It's a four-foot-high bank. It's not like a 20-foot drop. How do you if he's break? an experienced skier, you should have been able to handle that. Yeah, I mean, you, you should be in control and be able to stop. I mean, that, that's just it. That's the other thing. You need to be in control at all times. I mean, it's it. What did this, did this snowboarder just come barreling? And like, you know, again, one of the big things that, you know, skiers, the issue I have with snowboarders is because half the time they're, they're riding blind. They can't, like if you're, if they're riding, you know, I guess it's a regular foot where the left foot's in front. Yeah. The whole left side of their body, they have no peripheral vision. They can't see what's going on. So did, did this guy like just, you know, come flying out from somewhere and just barrel into this guy like without seeing him? Like, I, again, there's too much, there's too much information that we don't know from right. the story to tell who's right and wrong. But here's the premise. If he had to avoid somebody else, that person was in front of him. Mm-hmm. That means that he is responsible for avoiding the person in front of him. Regardless, right? I mean, yeah. but they're saying, so the, the judge disagreed with the, with the claim saying that establishes a no duty rule for skiing injuries, uh, relieving ski resorts of the duty to protect skiers from risks that are common. So he's saying that the ski resorts are not responsible. It would be between the two people that were skiing and boarding. Mm-hmm. So, because the, the risks are common, frequent and expected and thus inherent to the sport. So, Hey, I could see Gwyneth Paltrow. This is part of their, uh, it's going to be part of their defense. Yeah. And you know, I, uh, for the mo- most of me believes in that too, is that, you know, you do take the risk upon yourself if you're doing this. I think the resorts should want to make it as safe as possible because you're going to want right. people to be safe, not get hurt and killed at your resort, get bad press for yourself and get, have a negative point of view and outlook on the sport in general. Yes. That said, I, I, I hate the idea of everybody suing everybody over nonsense. And again, this guy, he sounds like he's you know pretty badly hurt. Is it actually all true? We don't know. I have seen negligent snowboarders. I've seen negligent skiers. Let's be honest. I've seen more negligent snowboarders. I've been run into by negligent snowboarders. And I... I, I've I, seen really bad skiers though too. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Oh, here we go. We have 24 ribs. We have 24 paired. ribs? Yeah, 12 paired rib bones. So you oh, get 12 on each side. That's okay, why. so I said when I said six, I was kind of right, but it was just there's a front and back. 
Yeah. So he had 21. That's almost every rib. That's pretty fucked up. That's a lot of ribs. <laughs> he really fucking threw himself down there. Damn. Holy crap. That's hor- it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. And it's with his daughter, too, which is really bad. I mean, I don't know if this trail it doesn't... I don't know It's if it was like a green trail or something. I, it's... Set a pile of rocks. I mean, that must have been like lacerated liver. Like, that's pretty fucked up. That's well, if there was a pile of rocks there, I mean, the place oh. definitely should want to have some sort of, you know, something to a barrier or something. But I mean, again, you can't, you put can't the world, you can't put the whole thing up everywhere. I don't know. I don't really even have enough data to come up with an opinion. Oh, and that trail is a blue trail, lower yeah. heavenly. You could wrap yourself in bubble wrap too and go down the mountain. There's nothing stopping you from that. It's true too. I don't know. Pretty soon they're going to just shut down all ski mountains because of it's unsafe. Well, that's the problem. That's that's the ultimate concern is that, you know, all these resorts just get sued to the point where they don't even want to bother operating anymore and it's not profitable. So, or like we've seen, they charge you like it's going to be $400 a lift ticket because of insurance, you know? That's possible too. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think you just go to ski at places like Alta and Mad River where there's no snowboarders and life will be better. That could happen. You just get run off by a skier then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> Stupid dickhead skier. It's still going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. So Red Bull 400 race up Michigan's Copper Peak ski jump is returning in 2019. Ah, uh, this is awesome. It's I think we, t- we talked about this last year, right? Yeah, we did. The world's steepest 400 meter race is returning to Michigan's upper peninsula. The Red Bull 400, which challenges athletes to race 40 stories uphill to the top of Copper Peaks ski jump tower is scheduled to take place at the Ironwood facility on May 11th. The inaugural event featured 450 local, regional and international competitors. And that number will luckily go up in 2019. So it's a unique event which challenges the best best athletes in the world is another step in revitalization of the facilities as one of America's premier sports venues year round. The vertical race challenge challenges participants speed and endurance, putting the participants calves, quads and fitness to the ultimate test. This mountain was built in 1969 and held its first international ski flying competition in 1970. It had it was open from 1970 to 1994 and they had 17 countries competing at 10 international ski competitions before the mountain closed in 1994. So if you, if you click on the link in there, they have photos and I think Red Bull did a special on this. And I was like, I remember watching it and the people were just dying. I'm like, how did somebody not die in this event? Yeah. It's, it's pretty nutty to watch it. And yeah, they had 450 people. And so they're trying to get more. It's really crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's an old, dilapidated freaking uh, ski jump. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's funny is um, we were talking uh, a few weeks ago. Like, so now sports, like a lot of the main sports have died down. So, you see a lot of hockey right now. You know, football is gone, college football is gone. It's kind of in between like college basketball really ramping up. And uh, I was checking out. Uh, Fox Sports has um, this this weekend. I was looking at their program and they had all this Red Bull stuff on, like all these different Red Bull events. I was like, that's pretty cool. So this is when you see like now's the time of year you'll see a lot of the Red Bull stuff like pop up on 
on just the channel and like, oh wow, here's another Red Bull thing. Yeah, they have a lot of crazy cool sports. You know, obviously we talked about crash dice a lot and they have the uh the mountain biking and then they have the fluke tog in the summer. Like they have they have so much cool stuff going on now. Yeah. In Denmark, they have a lot of trash just like everywhere else. So they try to do their recycling, they try to do their, you know, management of it. Um and you know, the title of this article was We Got This Mountain of Trash, why don't we ski down it? So they actually do have a uh, a video of it. And what they did was there is a building that they built and it's kind of like they built the back of this building to kind of pile up a bunch of trash and it kind of, they did their trash dump there. And then they decided, you know what, this thing is like out there and, um, you know, it's a nice futuristic building and somebody had this idea, Hey, you know, why don't we ski down this big pile of trash? We got this big mountain looking thing. So uh, uh, 10 minutes from downtown Copenhagen, um, they have a sloping roof, uh, 85 meters high, covered with material called Neverplast. Um, and people started saying it looks like a ski slope, except it's green because it's like a green, you know, it's like a, an astroturf almost. So people started talking about it and then they said, hey, let's just ski down it. So they started ski down, skiing down it and they say it's actually um, people are coming over to ski it because it's it, it's drawing people to it so um it's pretty awesome I, I think this should this should be around i mean if you look at garbage heaps i mean growing up in new york new jersey you know arthur kill um, oh it is his garbage dump is is mounds of garbage they actually said i remember at one time before they closed it they said it, you could see it from space it was one of the few objects you could see with the naked eye from space uh, this massive garbage heap. So like, why not build into a big mountain and ski down it? So I, I love the idea. So they're showing all the, uh, the, that garbage that they're, you know, that they're, uh, it says it'll burn waste from some 600,000 residents and 68,000 businesses to produce electricity and district heating. But the stuff that they're skiing on, isn't the garbage, right? It's just, that's just what's used for the building itself. Is that, no, there's going to be some other, like, so they'll burn some of it and the stuff that they can't burn, they chuck in and they mix it with, uh, with soil, um, or whatever they burn, they mix in with soil. It's kind of what they do with all the garbage heaps. And that's why you'll go through a lot of garbage heaps in the U S and you'll play golf on some of them and not even know that that was once a, a landfill. So hmm. landfill turned into a golf course could be landfill turned into a ski mountain. You got enough garbage, right? Okay, so it's the waste treatment plant that is the building that the ski slope is on. Yeah, and then they put okay. the garbage on top of it to slope down, and it's like people just skiing on it. Gotcha. Okay. It's freaking awesome, right? Yeah, they, 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 that plasta, never plast, never plast is the material they ski down. Pretty neat. And it's green, which is so crazy. Yeah. So it's funny, like, um, I was talking to somebody about. I guess down in some of the uh, the hockey arenas in, in Tampa and and elsewhere, some of the warm areas they have um, the it's like the plastic ice hockey rink. Have you ever skied on um, skated on that? I've never skated on that. No. So they say it's really weird. They say it feels okay, but it's uh, it dulls your skates out like crazy. Like you're actually ripping into like this plastic. It's crazy, but it's oh. like, and I don't know if they treat it after like they. Cause I was wondering if they Zamboni it somehow like the heat or something like that to make it back. 
But uh, yeah, they, they skate on it. I'm like, that's pretty wild. They play actual ice hockey on it. Like, full it ice doesn't hockey. matter what temperature it is because it's just plastic, right? Yeah, have it out in the sun. Crazy. That is crazy. With these modern materials, like anything's possible now. Yeah. All right, so we have one more story here in Ski News this week. And this is from our pals at Snowbrains, and it is Angel Fire, New Mexico is the last affordable ski town in America. Ooh, all right. Yes. Well, typically a winter season can bring real estate sales to a crawl. That's not the case in Angel Fire, New Mexico, located in the Southern Rocky Mountains of Northern Mexico, has been dubbed America's most affordable ski town by Realtor.com and the last affordable ski town in America by TGR. Unfortunately, they're celebrating another record year for growth. So it looks like that string is probably coming to an end. (laughs) Of course. Uh, They're saying an uptick of sales in the year-round resort community jumped significantly in 2016 as the area climbed out of a recessive market. Over the past two years, single-family homes and condo sales have continued to grow. Uh, We're seeing more families coming in from surrounding areas who are looking for an affordable second home close to skiing and golf, uh, according to some of the real estate brokers. But they're saying that the median house has climbed 10% over the last year, but it's still $349,000, which is 20 to 25% below average or the average price of comparable nearby ski towns. it's it looks pretty awesome um you know it's it's really close to texas it's close to new mexico i mean i don't think the mountain is quite as big new mexico's been getting a lot of snow this year right they have been getting a good amount of snow this year yeah so it's interesting to see and is actually a wonderful interlude into our main topic because we're talking about my trip out to Vale and Beaver Creek, which I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a bit all over the place, the trip. I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. It was great. This is only my second time out in Colorado skiing. And, you know, just talking about this, this angel fire, New Mexico, you know, this, the real estate and how it's the last affordable ski town. You know, one of the first things I always do when I'm in a, an area I really love is I always check out you know, the real estate and what can I afford and can I move out here? And just looking at the places in the Vale Beaver Creek area, I was like, no, I certainly cannot live here. That is for sure. So we, so I'll start by saying that we were staying at Beaver Creek and I, it was, it was interesting because I mean, Beaver Creek is really like a gated community. You know, you drive up there, yeah. there's the, there's the gates and within the gates are, is the, the ski resort, but also tons of houses and condos and, and townhomes. And it was a bit, it was interesting. And the place we stayed at was really nice. It was a two bedroom, two bath townhouse in like a, I think it was like 12 or 15 in the unit. And I was looking, they actually had a similar unit for sale and it was going for 650 K. Damn. So, and that was probably one of the cheapest things in that area for sale because some of the houses, like when you're, you're going over, you remember when we were at park city, how you're, you know, you'd be on some of those lifts and there'd just be these like ridiculous houses below you. 
Yeah. And you're like, real. who the hell lives here? And like, when are they actually coming up here? There was condo a condo with like a three three car garage condo. That's like the heated driveway and all that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. those kind of places. So and you're like, that's not a condo. That's a house. It's yeah, like, you saw you saw a good deal of that. Yeah. But you know, I'll start out. We uh we we lucked out our timing. We were we got some really great snow that first night that we were there, we got probably about a foot of snow, uh, maybe about six inches on the ground when we woke up for the first morning. And then it just snowed throughout the entire day and it got pretty heavy at times. And it was a Wednesday when we started skiing. So obviously it's going to be, you know, not crowded. So we, the cool thing, like one of my favorite things about Beaver Creek was that where, wherever you're staying within the community, they have these ski ways. So you can ski out of your, your townhouse or your house or your condo, wherever you're staying and get right onto the mountains. Like there's all these like funky lifts that kind of dump you out onto the mountain itself, which was great. Very cool. So we did that the first day. So we, we, we did this, the ski way and, you know, we eventually made our way to the, the back part of the mountain. Cause you look at Beaver Creek and it's got a lot of blue and green terrain it's definitely for a a more affluent, fancy customer. And from what we saw, and again, it was a Wednesday. It seemed like it has an older crowd that goes there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only went there for one day. Like it was kind of, it was a short one day too. Like, cause we were doing bail and they were like, oh, it's to be the Creek for a day. And we kind of toured around and just saw like the normal stuff. And I was like, you know, it was very scenic, very picturesque, wide open, like, groomed runs and it was very nice and it was nice terrain but it wasn't it wasn't like super challenging which is fine you know we're just cruising for the day you know yeah and that was that's a good part of the mountain like if you look at the trail map the entire like like right half or you know maybe a little more than a third is all just greens and blues and all kind of dumps you out into those, those different condo areas. And, you know, you kind of have to go through part of that area to get to where you, you want to go. But again, it's, it was again, scenic, nice groomed. If you're, if you're a beginner or you just got some kids, like it, it's, it's a it's good fun. spot to get them. Yeah. There's some glades there. Like it's, it's a, it's very nice. We didn't go we, into the glades and I heard the glades are supposed to be really nice. See, we went up after that to that, um, the Larkspur bowl area. Okay. And that, that was really, really sweet that we finally got over to that. That was a lot of fun. And then even better is after we hit that, because again, there's a bunch of traversing because from where we were staying, like to do that ski way, you kind of have to traverse across the entire mountain to get up to that lift to get you up to the, uh, the more fun stuff. So mm. we went to there and then the, um, the whole grouse mountain part, it's all blacks and double blacks. That area was just unbelievable that day. I mean, we, we lapped that for a couple hours and the amount of times we yelled out like woohoo and best run ever. I mean, just every single run. It was, again, we were getting fresh tracks, probably a foot of snow on the ground. We saw maybe 13, 15 people most of the time. I mean, there was just nobody around. It was great. So we have some really cool video footage that we hope to post on there. So that was, you want to hear something so awesome. cool right now? I'm looking up. So I looked up the map for Beaver Creek and on the snow brings up the map. You know, who's um, providing the map for them now? Who's that? Fat oh, fat maps. Really? 
Yeah. They're picking out James Niehaus, man. What the hell? You got the fat map on there. Damn. Well, they, they still have the James Niehaus, like the, the drawn map, but they have the interactive one and it's fat map. I'm like, wow. What is yeah, when they, they're, they're crushing it. Those guys. Yeah. They're getting real cool. popular. Yeah. So we, um, so that whole grouse mountain area, we, we spent a lot of time in there and that was, that was just fantastic. I mean, great terrain. It was steep. It was fun. There was a lot of like, uh, open trees you could, you could jump around in. Yeah. That's like the whole, it's all black over there, right? Yeah. It was so much fun. Like I, I posted one video on Instagram and you could see how steep it was. I mean, it was really steep and you could see all the snow and there was like yeah, two people. Was like, ah, oh, it's perfect for that. There was like two people in the video too. That's all you could see. Like it was oh, just nice. wide open. It was awesome. So we, we did that for a while and then we shot up to, uh, there's the birds of prey lift and that's where they actually have the, um, they show the, the men's downhill course. Like that's Mm. where they used to, to host the, uh, the world cup event. So you can actually cruise down there. So we did that for a little bit and that whole like center section there, it's called the cinch express. Like we did that a bunch of times and found some, some really fun, um, runs in there. And then we eventually got over to the Rose bowl, which was also just like a lot of, a lot, a lot of fun in that kind of far left section. So yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit tricky kind of traversing back and forth there. And we wanted to make sure we kind of got a, you know, as much of the mountain experience as we could. That's good. And, you know, again, if I had to compare it to anything, I would definitely say like a park city because it is, you know, big, wide, tons of varied terrain. Mm. Everything is kind of prim and proper, you know, like things are, are nice there. Things are, you know, more upscale everywhere you go. Oh, that's awesome. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then one thing that we did after we, you know, we tried to jump into the the village because Beaver Creek has like a village. It's kind of up top. Oops, sorry. I hit the microphone there. Smacking that thing. uh, Yeah, it's sort of, it's not at the base of the mountain. It's sort of up on the mountain. And we were staying just below there. So we could, we could walk to the village, which was nice. And, you know, again, it's very, you know, it's a lot like a Whistler village. It's very fancy. All the, you know, all the shops are there. They had like an outdoor ice skating rink and restaurants. And that's where you'd go. But I will say there is almost no night scene at Beaver Creek. Like it's really, really quiet and we ate dinner there i think three of the four nights we were there we actually ate in the beaver creek village and the friday night we found this great restaurant called revolution and their whole thing was everything is cooked on a rotisserie there so they have Mm. they also had a very and this is funny because nick ordered this they have a 28 dollars spaghetti and meatball dish Ah. The meatball was very good. I mean, I think they um, they must use some really high end beef or something. But it wagyu beef meatballs. Well, that's what everything was wagyu that they were using there on the menu. Yeah, it's... like all the different cuts of beef. They had like an eighty five dollar. I forget if it was um, they had a strip steak, like a New York strip, and they had I think a fillet, and one was like eighty five bucks, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I got the porchetta or porchetta has you, you know, like that pork that's wrapped up with all the seasoning and the fat. Mm. And they could get cooked on a rotisserie. It was really good. Um, oh, that sounds delicious. But it had great bar and it was, it was in one of the hotels there. But again, the, this was a Friday night. The restaurant closed at 9 p.m. and they had a oh, bar wow. in it. So 
it was just, it was, and again, we were trying to figure out like, like, why is this happening? Is it just, is it an older crowd? Is it, um, it's high end, you're relaxing, man. Yeah. And you know, I was, again, everything is so expensive there. Like, again, if, if the economy takes a, takes a hit, like, like what's Beaver Creek going to do? Because it's not like, it doesn't seem like it's one of those places where like a lot of kids are like, dude, let's go to Beaver Creek. We're going to go bum it there. Yeah. It seems like it's a lot of people who are older and maybe just want to show off and brag that they ski there. That was kind of the vibe that we got. And a lot, a lot of Texans, I think, you know, a lot of uh, probably like, I don't know if it's oil money or, or what, yeah. but it had a, it had a, a weird, a weird, different, older, affluent vibe huh. that we were, we were trying to wrap our head around it. Like every time we drove through, which was like every single day. Yeah. So, huh. But again, the, on a powder day, like we had, we had a lot of fun. It was great skiing. Found oh, some, nice. some really good restaurants. They have a place called Coyote Cafe, which is like a, you know, apres ski and restaurant. And I'll tell you, they had some of the best free chips and salsa I've ever had. The, nice. the chips were nice and crispy, not greasy. The salsa was a little bit spicy and thick. It was, it was, a, it was a solid spot. And they had like, like TGR movies playing the whole time we were there. Ah, awesome. And again, one thing I noticed that most of the bars out there is they didn't really have a lot of great, like a lot of great beers on draft. It oh, wasn't like, you know, maybe it's a Vermont thing that we're spoiled because, you know, you go to any, any Apre bar in Vermont or they have, you know, 15, 20 beers. It's all local stuff. There was, you know, they'll have Bud, they'll have PBR, they'll have Coors, they'll have Molson or, you know, they'll have a lot of local kind of not, not craft beers on draft. They'll carry the craft beers in bottles and cans, but it won't be prominent on draft like you you would see in the Northeast. So huh. again, just a little weird, just not weird, but just different things that you notice when you're when you're used to a certain way of things being away and then they're different. You just kind of like, oh, okay, that's how they do things here. Okay, I got it. Yeah. And that was all over the place. Like that was Vale, Beaver Creek. I was I was kind of surprised considering how many great local craft breweries there are in, in that area. I thought there'd be like all over the place. You'd see Outer Range, you'd see Avery, you'd see, you know, uh, all the different ones. But no, it was, it was mostly the, the generic stuff on draft, maybe one or two really craft beers and then bottles and cans. Oh, wow. Maybe they have different laws or different, uh, I don't know. I just, I just don't know, but that's one thing I noticed. Yeah. We didn't stay there at night when I went, it was, we just hung out for the day and went back and middle of the day, it was kind of like spring skiing. We went late season. So it was like springish skiing. So once it got too mashed potato, we were like, screw it. I don't want to ski anymore. I don't like skiing on that stuff. And, uh, we went to the, uh, Ritz Carlton. Did you go there? Is that the place that has like that? Um, what the hell is that? That kind of like famous bar there, like the bachelor or something. Yeah, it's in Bachelor Gulch. So Bachelor Gulch, yeah, yeah. And the guy playing outside, they got the big chairs, and you just sit out there drinking like martinis or we were drinking uh, Moscow Mules, just hanging out there for a while. And the the guy playing guitar was great. It was just just hanging out. Nice. No, you know, we didn't actually make it over there. It was on my list of places to go, but again, just the way we ended up on like the upper part of the mountain by the village, we didn't we didn't get in there. Yeah, yeah, that was on Bachelor Gulch side, so. It was all right. Um, like I said, we went late season, but that was fun. That was, uh, like you said, though, it's definitely ritzy. It's a, it's a different vibe. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then um, the town at the bottom is Avon. So once you actually exit the Beaver Creek property, there's um, and one thing that's crazy too is like the road you take from Beaver Creek out. It's there's like five or ten traffic circles as you oh, go around. Yeah. It's not a long road. It's all these these traffic it's circles. All circles, right? Yeah. It's and, overpass and circle. They have like the overpass and then a little traffic circle. It's right. Weird. Yeah. Because they have the highway that runs and then you get off of that and then you get into these little traffic circles on the on the local. And at least a quarter of the people have no idea who has the right of way. At oh, least. Yeah. <laughs> traffic circles are the worst. Yeah. But then like so in Avon they have, you know, that's where we went for um our other dinners and they have you know grocery stores and shops, coffee shops, ski shops, everything else is kind of down there. So, you know, we ate at one restaurant down there, which is actually a wine bar. I think it's called the Win 48, Wine 48. Mm-hmm. And they actually have some of the best draft beers around of all the places. You think, why would the really? wine bar have the best craft beers? But they, uh, oh. they had some really good ones there. I think Outer Range was the, was the brewery. Uh, out of Frisco that was they had the ones there and um, I think it was their hazy IPA that was really really tasty from uh, from that restaurant oh very cool so we skied there for the first day and then the next two days we skied at Vail and you know (laughs) say what you want there's there's a there's the whole powder magazine, you know, we were, it was funny cause Nick and I, cause Nick was on the trip with us and you know, we, uh, we're both big powder magazine readers and they always have a dig at veil every single episode, every single magazine. And the one at the end was like a uh, last will and Testament for, uh, for a ski bum. And it was, you know, send my, um, I forget if it was dirty boot liners or dirty used socks to the veil resorts headquarters <laughs> <laughs> as my final uh my final request nice. uh, after my death and you know it's if you're uh, it's easy to 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 understand why people hate vale resorts when you hey, after going there it's, i gotta say beaver creek was the only place i saw somebody ski down stop a guy ran out helped the guy get his ski off, both skis off, and the guy just walked away. Threw the poles down, just walked away. Are you serious? Yeah, and the guy took all his crap, and that was it. Helped him out of his skis, and he's like, thank you, and he just kept walking. (laughs) It was amazing. I was like, that shit really happened. I'm like, isn't slavery dead? It was just fucked up. I was like, I've never seen that before. It's weird. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you've been to Vail. You you guys stayed there. It's, you know, the village is, it's just like Whistler. It's that same sort of vibe where, yeah. you know, half they the They have a lot of the same places. They have Garfinkel's. They have like, they have a lot of the same like restaurants. Like I definitely noticed that too. And, yeah. you know, they're... It's it's that same kind of formula. You know, it's like that Disney World of skiing formula where you create this, you know, Main Street USA, this, here's your Patagonia shop, here's your North Face shop, let's throw in a couple yeah. of t-shirt stores, let's throw in a Canada Goose store. And, you know, you, you go there and, you know, we um, we skied there two days. And the first day we were on the Lion's Head side, which is the, the further west side because we were staying right. in Beaver Creek. It was closer to go there. And then the second day we ended up kind of finishing our day at the, um, the main section. So, but I'll get to that part later, but you know, the mountain itself, I mean, it is, it is a tremendous mountain. I mean, the terrain there 
It is so much fun. It is a lot of fun there. I mean, we uh, the first day we were there, again, we, we lucked out. We had about... Again, they had the foot of snow the day before, and then they probably had another solid six inches that night. So we had a ton of fresh snow. And the three of us, me, Andrea, and Nick, we just headed to the... Um, the back bowls immediately. And Nick had been there before a couple of times. So he, he knew his way around a bit. So he kind of was our tour guide that first day. And we started in like the game Creek section. And then we kind of bounced over. And I mean, we were just, we had so much fun and I'm not even sure where we were. I just know that like, if I could be on that chair again, I could tell you where, you know, what general location we were at, but we, we stayed in the, in those back bowls, like most of that day. And, that was a super, super cold day. It was the coldest day we were out there. I think the high was maybe 18 degrees. And oh wow. It got super cold. And one thing that I noticed too, this was a weird thing that me and Andrea both noticed. So if two days skiing at Vale, I have not been on so many stopped chairlifts than I was on those two days. Like my our entire ski career. I don't think I've been on stop chairs as long as those two days at Vail. Really? I have no idea what was going on, if that's normal, if that was weird, if they had some sort of like power issue. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, there was one of the back bowl lifts we got stuck on. And um and again it was like the super crazy cold day. So there's that I don't know if you guys when you were there, there's like that Bell's camp it's called. Did you make it there? There's like it when you're in some of those in that section, there's like nothing else to go to. So if you want to get like a, a warm up and get a coffee or a bite to eat, there's just nothing else around. It's called Bell's Camp. It's um at the top of the Skyline Express. And again, it was this frigid ass day. And it was it's a small building, but it was jam packed. It was like really? body to body crazy. Uh, is everybody trying to get out of the cold? Everyone's trying to get out of the cold and warm up. Yeah. Because the skiing uh, was so good. It was sunny. It was beautiful, but you just had to, you just needed a break and there's no lodges over there in that wow. section. So you kind of just had to, you know, just, just go to that place. So we were there for a little bit, warming up, getting some coffee. And then we bounced out of there and we jumped into, I'm trying to remember the name of, you see, I know I wrote it down. Um, the, it was the champagne glades that are, that are right outside of there. And we were skiing in there and we were, I mean, it was, it was steep. It was glady. It was fun. Like we were, we were finding some great lines. Um, but that's when Nick like tweaked his knee. Yeah, he, uh, he just made a bad turn. He didn't fall. He didn't. Um, it wasn't like a snap. It wasn't a break. It wasn't anything. It didn't seem like anything at all. He's like, strained it. He's like something doesn't feel right. Uh, and what sucks is you're kind of stuck out there. I mean, there's. It was a. It was a long way to get to a lift from there, and he was trying to be, you know, yeah. real, real ginger about the way he was. He was skiing on it after that. Cause you know, that's the same knee he blew his ACL out a couple of years ago. So he didn't want to, didn't want to risk it. So we, uh, we kind of had to go down with him a little bit slowly and he was trying to stay on like the green trails. Like he was really being cautious about it. And unfortunately we lost him at one point. And again, this was like probably like almost like one o'clock at this point. And we just, we, we kind of started skiing around nine 30. So we just took that quick break at Bell's camp and the, Andrew and I were together and then we lost him and my phone died because it was so cold. Oh, and then we missed each other at the lift we were going to meet at. 
because I think he, he had to traverse for a long time of, and we were just kind of bombing down this blue. Right. We went down to, there is the, um, the lift on the, the skier's right side of the mountain, like all the way to the right. It's um, trying to, let me find the name of that, uh, that the golden peak lodge. So we went down to the golden peak lodge thinking, okay, maybe he'll go to the first lodge he can get to. Cause that's the closest one. Cause lion's head is way, way, way skiers left. Right. We get to the bottom there. And when you're down there, you're kind of stuck for a bit. You had to take a gondola and a few of the lifts to get back. Yeah, you're down there. So we got down there, and it turns out the power was out. What? The lift. The power was just out. Oh, so we're man. sitting there. We're warming up, trying to get our phones charged. But unfortunately, there's no power. So we're hoping that if we warm them up, we can you know figure out where he is. He's like, oh, I made it back to, to Lion's Head. So, and it, there's a, a little sign saying that's 1.3 miles away. If you're like on the, on the village level. We're like, wow. Yeah. So we pop over to the gondola. We take the little tiny lift to get over to the gondola. I take the gondola up and I have this plan. I'm like, okay, we're going to take the, uh, this trail to the Avanti chairlift. Okay. Take the Avanti to the top and then we can cruise down underneath the Eagle bond gondola all the way back to lion's head and meet up with him. Yes. That's the plan. Yeah. We get to that Avanti Express and Andrea is, again, it's probably down to like 15 degrees now. It's really cold. Uh, She's like, there was a sign said two lions head there. I'm like, well, no, but the plan was to take the Avanti lift and then go over. I'm like, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. We get on the lift and the lift stops. Uh, now again, it's 15 degrees. We're both freezing. We're both starving because we haven't really eaten because we've been, you know, kind of skiing all, all morning and all, in the afternoon. And and then I heard some sort of like message that came from the lift tower being like, Oh, sorry, Vail, res, you know, rail customers, like all power is out. Again, this is what I think I heard. I can't confirm that's what I said, what, what they said. And I'm just like, and we're sitting there and, you know, two minutes goes by, five minutes goes by, oh, no. seven minutes goes by. I'm starting to fucking panic. And you yeah, see, yeah. I'm pretty cool. Like, I don't have a problem. Out, you know, so. It's 15 degrees. She's shivering. Like she's almost like crying. She's so cold. I'm like, and to think that I fucked it up because if we just kept going and if I read a sign instead of sticking to my plan, we could have just skied all the way down. So we're just sitting there. It was like at least 10 minutes. And of course, we're the highest with the point that you're the furthest distance from the ground. Yeah. We're kind of sitting. I'm like, shit. And then finally that fucker cranked up. I was like, it was like the happiest moment of my life. That was the Avanti lift? The Avanti Express, yeah. Express, yeah. It finally started cranking up. And then we, we got to the top and then we cruised our way back down finally. And uh, like we just, we got to the bottom and uh, there's a, a restaurant that's right there and we just jumped right in to warm up. Like we didn't get a drink. We didn't get food. We just needed to warm up because we were like frigid at that point. Oh yeah, sitting out there for a few minutes is getting cold. Even bombing down, like, and our legs were tired too. Because again, we were hitting it pretty hard in those in those bowls in the morning. So our legs were tired. We were cold. We were hungry. Like we really hadn't Start eaten. Start cooling off, and yeah, yeah. So we ended up doing our apre at it was called Bart and Yeti's. Oh yeah, did you ever check that out? Yes, we did. Yeah, it was it was it was okay. Yeah. And again, not a lot of great beers on draft. Food yeah. was, they did have a killer French dip sandwich. I will tell, I will say that. I uh, I was looking at their barbecue stuff and I asked the waitress, she's like, go with the French dip. So 
Nice. Right, with the French dip. They did have that. Um, do you remember when we were out in Park City with uh, with Steve and his crew? Shout out to those guys. Ryan had gotten that Deschutes, that um, I think it's called Juiced or Squeezed IPA. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had that in bottles. They had that in a lot of places in bottles. Oh, did they? Nice. And which is weird. I mean, they're it's out of Oregon that beer, and you know I'm always a big believer in trying to drink local whenever I'm right. out somewhere. So I was hoping to drink more Colorado beers, but once yeah, in a while that worked. That works. Yeah. So they had um, again bottles and cans. They didn't really have much good on draft, but uh, yeah, that we uh, we hit we hit that, and then um, yeah, that was that was our day. And again, Nick was kind of banged up and not in the best mood because of it. So that was uh, all we, uh, we really did was, was, was stop there. And wow. the next day it was just me and Andrea. And we did again, some of the, the back bowls a bit, but we found some really fun runs on the front side because we didn't really ski that too much on the first day. Oh, cool. We, we found this one run. It was when you get to the, the top part where you can kind of get into the bowls or you can go along the ridge there we found this section and it was called looking at it right now, trying to figure out um, first yeah, step, so- first step into North star. And it was, it was like, it was bumped out, but it was still like sunny enough where everything you could, you had perfect vision. The bumps were spaced out. They were so much fun. We did it like four times. Nice. But again, that lift that took you up from there, it stopped twice really of the four times we took it four times up it stopped twice and one time was like for three or four minutes oh that's not good i was like i again i've I've never been somewhere where i've had so many lift stoppages and again if i was there paying 209 fucking dollars for a lift ticket and i got and i was stuck on the lift for that long of a time i would be wicked pissed off yeah like how like where is this money going to like they're getting all this money from people being on this mountain, I mean, are they just putting into the, the new displays at the Patagonia store or, uh, you know, new tile work in the village? Like, you know, that's the most important thing on these mountains is making sure these lifts are operating correctly. Yeah. I wonder like if, if everybody like, cause it could be a lot of people are having problems with the, just the, the amount of snow and keeping the, uh, the power going. And Jackson closed for a week last year. Remember? Well, that was, that was, those were crazy conditions. That was the, that was the whole town was out. It wasn't just the mountain itself. That was one of the major feeds in like went down because of the snow. So Uh, I I wonder if they're all having like shit like that happen. I I heard someone told us on the gondola that Breckenridge lost power the day before. Wow. So maybe there was something on the grid out there or again, it wasn't like it was really, I mean, it was, it was cold and it was windy, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything that seemed like it would cause that much chaos. It's something that yeah. being in Colorado, you think they could handle this. You know, it didn't seem anything like out of the ordinary for the winter, yeah. but that's wild. I, that was one thing that drove me absolutely crazy that, that the amount of lift stoppages that we were on in those wow. two days at Vail. That's but nuts. you know, what are you going to do? You experience these things, you kind of roll with it. Uh, but we had a, we had a wonderful day. Like that Friday was so much fun, but it was starting to get really crowded. Like certain, certain lifts on the, in the bowls were, oh, really? were getting kind of long. Um, wow. And that, yeah, that same with the lift stoppages on that, that North star lift, we were waiting in line and we were, the lift was stopped for five, six months. We weren't, we weren't actually on the lift. We were in the line and like half the line left. And then we just oh, wow. waited it out and luckily we were able to get back up there. 
So, but again, it was all over the place. It wasn't one particular lift. It was a bunch of them. At least three different ones we were on were stopped for significant periods of time. Oh, wow. So that was kind of annoying. I got to be honest. Yeah. But again, the, and it is, you can, it's so easy to argue both sides of the, I hate Vale. I love Vale. Yeah, you know what it is? Once you get into those bowls, you're just like, it's awesome. Oh my God. It's amazing. The amount of terrain they have back there. Like it's so All much different bowls. fun. You do China bowl? China bowl is yeah. fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. I down, and up. Yeah. They're all. So we stayed by Barnetti's. We were right by there. Oh, you were. Okay, cool. And then if you go away from Lion's Head, you go towards like, I guess the, the other side, mm-hmm. there's uh that's where that, it was the bridge seat, bridge street bar. Remember I told you like we took over this tiny little bar Yeah. and there's a guy that's like a one man band playing. Uh-huh. It was, it was a lot of fun. And then that's also uh, on that side near the bridge street bars where the 10th mountain whiskey. We walked yeah. past that. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. That's where I got Benjamin is uh, his onesie. His onesie. Yeah. <laughs> But it's cool. They got all this Tech Mountain Division stuff in there and memorabilia. And the guys that the, started it were from, I guess their their grandfather was in, in the Tenth Mountain. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Did you go to the museum when you were there? The like yeah. the, the US Ski Museum? Didn't make it there. Yeah. That's one thing I was again, you never have enough time for that kind of stuff, but that that seems pretty cool. All these t- Towns have like cool museums, but it's like, it because remember we were in Zermatt and somebody said they went to this climbing museum. They said it was awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. I was like, I never made it there. You know, like. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the last day I had to make sure we got to the Red Lion, obviously, because that's the, uh, the famous Apparatus Ski Bar there. Yeah. So we went there and luckily we got there just before it got really crazy. We were able to at least put our skis down and get a table, which nice. was nice. And again, beer lists, uh, draft beers were not that impressive, but they had a lot of good beers and cans and bottles. So yeah. the one that I picked up was the uh, Odd 13 is the brewery, and it was called Codename Superfan IPA. Superfan. Which was really tasty. I think I posted a picture of that on Instagram. That's for our superfans too. Yeah. And they had some of the best fish tacos I've had in a long time, which was really surprising. Damn. They had great, great fish tacos there. Let's let's hear about the taco game on this trip. Taco game. That was, that was, um, that was a solid one. But of course our buddies at Rocky mountain taco, they, um, Rocky mountain. that now that was, so after we left red lion, we went there again, it was starting to get really crazy. And it was right around four o'clock. We left when like everybody filters out of the mountain, you know? Yeah. And again, like, you, you know, you just, you see some of these people and you're like, I know she didn't ski today. I know he didn't ski today. Like, oh, there's just so much of that kind yeah. of, Oh, I'm going to Vail. I, I I go to Vail, you know, like those kind of people like that again, which make powder magazine, write those articles about, I'm going to send Vail my, you know, rotting stinky ski boot liners, you know, that, that those people are there, you know, they're wasting hotels, they're wasting seats at the bar. They didn't right. ski, but they're there to, you know, gotta, to buy gotta, the t-shirt. They got a great seat at the bar because they were there at like noon yeah. on. 
Right. And I saw the people that I hate at the t-shirt shop because we're trying to get Benjamin like a little t-shirt or something. And, and Andrea always likes to buy a, a, a Christmas ornament from all the different places we go skiing. So we were oh, buying nice. a, an ornament and I saw just these people buying all their veil t-shirts and all their shit. And I was like, Ugh, <laughs> you are the people that just annoy me. You waste hotel, again, hotel space, seats at the bar. Like, uh, so, you know. Pissing you off. I was trying to be Zen. I hadn't, I hadn't, well, I'd, gone to the, I'd gone to the weed shop at that point, but I hadn't partaken that day. Yeah. Just put it that way. Um, nice. But, you know, the, again, the mountain itself is so awesome. And, you know, we have talked about it in the past, like what does the Epic Pass do and how much are these mountains getting more crowded because you could spend $209 for a one day lift ticket at the window or you could buy your Epic Pass for eight or nine hundred dollars, depending on your timing, and only need to go four or five days to get your money's worth. Yeah. And I just well, I, a week long pays for itself. Yeah. So how much are these mount are these Epic Passes bringing more people to the mountain? Um, I'm sure they have their master algorithm that they're trying to you know that they're they're working with to be like, okay, we got to sell this many Epic Passes because we know people who go there are going to spend this much money on other stuff, which we'll get back. But yeah. like the mountains, now we skied on a Friday and it was getting crowded there. I couldn't imagine what that Saturday must have been like. We were we were thinking about going at first, but then we're like, it's not going to be worth it for the the three hours we're going to be able to ski to deal with all that insanity. Right. Um. Again, the mountain is fantastic, though. It is a the terrain is great. It's just you have to deal with a lot of nonsense. And things that are not, if you're a hardcore skier, you don't want to put up with to experience that mountain. So, you know, if you can get past that, if you can just be like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to be cool. I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy my skiing, get a beer or two and get out of here. It's definitely a fantastic mountain. No doubt about it. Cool. Uh, So after, so after we left Red Lion, based on your recommendation, we went to the Vale Brewing Company. Now they had the two spots: the one in the village, and then the one that is um, off the highway there in uh, Eagle Vale. In Eagle Vale, and that was on the way to where we were staying back at Beaver Creek. Yeah. And one hilarious thing. A to good me, call, right? <laughs> oh, dude, that was an amazing call. So one thing that was really cool was well, really cool and really funny is that all because you know you have Beaver Creek and Vale, which are these like kind of a little hoity-toity, fancy little ski villages. And all the weed shops are in like three or four strip malls, like right between the two. In Eagle Vale. It's only Eagle Vale. Yeah, kind of kind of quarantine there in Eagle Vale. Yep. Those were, it was so funny. Like you just drive, you're like, oh, weed shop, weed shop, weed shop, weed shop, weed shop. All there together. Like it's legal, but they don't, it's not legal allowed in their towns. They don't want it in their towns, yeah. And Eagle Vale is the the one in between that has all the other stuff. Like it's that's it, you know. Yeah, that's where like you get your supplies. It's like the Deadwood between yeah. uh, Vale and Beaver Creek. That's funny. So we stopped at the um, the place we stopped at was called Rocky Road, mm. and <laughs> it was funny because Nick was driving, and it was the day he hurt his knee, so he was in kind of a bad mood. He's like you have seven minutes to get in and out. I'm like, 
I'll do what I can. But unfortunately, <laughs> like you go in there, like, hey man, what's going on? And like 20 minutes later, you guys want to come in, man. And like they have to go back to like the back room. They have all the stuff back there. And nice. the the bud tender was exactly what you'd picture a bud tender looking like. But yeah, it was really cool. I got some um some stuff for sleeping, which I'll talk about in a future episode. I have that as a bean. Um, we had some some sour strawberry, which actually Nick said actually really helped his knee that when he tweaked it, he like, it nice. like took a little bit of this, took the edge off, felt good. And then I got some of these like little like powder packets, which are non-smell, non-flavor. You just dump it into your drink. And um, it's five nice. milligrams THC, five of CBD. And it just... Coffee pot at work. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's not the worst idea. People need to chill out. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. But that was kind of funny how they had the stuff kind of quarantined there, all the different weed shops. Yeah. But um, the Vail Brewing Company. So yeah, they have the Rocky Mountain Taco Truck there. They have the Vail Brewing Company, and then they have the weed shop next to it. Yeah. So that was like your, uh, like like the, your holy, the holy trinity right there. <laughs> the holy trinity. Boom. Beer, weed, and tacos. That's all but you yes, need. If you go to that. If you go to the Vail Brewing Company and you go to Rocky Mountain Taco, they're garbage outside. We have a sticker on their garbage can now. So <laughs> you can look for us there. And crazy story. So we're in the Vail Brewing Company there. And we had a, you know, we each, we just got one beer and we were hanging out there because it was after we were at the Red Lion. And I'm um the beer that I had there was the Lunar Nectar IPA. And it was probably my second favorite beer I had in the entire trip. It was so, so good. Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm you know ready to go cash out or close out my tab and I'm wearing my sweatshirt and I have my my ski bum podcast patch on my on my shirt on my jacket there. And this guy's like looking at me. I'm like, I know he's like my fucking patch. I'm like, what's he gonna what's like what's this guy doing? And he's like, okay man. He's like he's like hey I've listened to that podcast before. He's like He's like, is that yours? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm Brian. I'm the, one of the guys who, you know, does the podcast. He's like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, I've listened to your show before. Like, you guys do the thing about like weed and beer. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's us. That's it. It was that's crazy. Yeah. So there's yeah. a guy named, his name was Will and his buddy Brandon were there hanging out. And um, nice. shout out to them. A bit. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you are listening. Um, yeah, it was really cool. They wanted to buy me a beer, but unfortunately I had to go because friggin' party poopers were trying to get me out of there. But uh, damn. Yeah, it was it was such a cool moment because you really, you know, we have people emailing us and, you know, hitting us up on all the socials and it's cool knowing people out there listening, but to finally meet someone that's like not local or someone we know listening, it was it was such an awesome moment. It was kind of uplifting. It kind of gives you that little bit of like, hey man, people are out there checking us out and enjoy what they do. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was fun. Oh, that's very cool. So again, it was a great trip. We um Again, did some great terrain. It was perfect timing for the the snow that we had. Um, had some great beer, some great food. Uh, again, you know the the Vale thing. You can you can argue both sides of it, but the mountain itself, you you cannot deny that it is a fantastic mountain. And I have a really really detailed in depth blog post that I'm going to post in the next day or two nice. about all of our details of our trip, where we skied, where we ate, what we drank. So if you guys want to check it out and get more information, that'll be out there. And if you're on our newsletter list, you'll get a probably get a note when that yeah. goes out too. So send it in the newsletter. That'll be nice. It's I will tell you it is very verbose. There is a ah. lot. I, I did I I went very deep into details on it. Like this, Good. I think this section was detailed. 
you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? <laughs> I've been writing this for the past week. So there is a lot, a lot of details. And, you know, it's fun kind of just, you know, I wrote kind of stuff uh, in on my phone as I was, as they were happening. So I remember them. And then I kind of went back the week after and just started really kind of putting it into, you know, paragraph form and, and putting some context around it, breaking down each day. And, you know, it's almost like a journal, like to, to remember how much fun it was and the places we, we skied and ate and drank. So yeah. it's, uh, I think it's fun. I I've given it to, to Andrea, our CMO to read over. And she, she made a few, improvements of course as as women do and but it was you know it was it was fun to read she actually enjoyed reading it so i think you guys cool. will as well so keep well, your eyes open for that or it'll be done by this weekend that's for sure there'll be something in your 90s that you could read be like i remember when right that's true <laughs> it's true when you say they are burning hell motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> drinking the malort, malort drinking the fire right. cider I just drink fire cider and Malort and have Rocky Mountain Taco delivered. What's wrong with that boy? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Rocky Mountain Taco would deliver. Probably not to Florida. No. Damn it. You could freeze them and just ship them out. And you had a good That's... place in um, Denver too, right? Well, okay. So before we even went out there, my sister, she's in Boulder. So we stopped there on the nice. way, the way out. And um, her and her boyfriend live there and we had a lot of fun hanging out in Boulder for the half a day. And yeah, we'll give a shout out to the folks at Tiaco in Boulder. Tiaco. Just it, the word, it's taco, but the T is separate. So it's like a separate T-aco. Get mm, it? All right. And the guy, Peter, who runs the place, he was he's a Jersey guy and he, you know, as everyone who leaves New Jersey is, is a hero of mine, they, they escaped <laughs> And he started this this great taco, um, you know, Mexican restaurant. They their menu was was fantastic because there was probably twenty different kinds of tacos, and we, I had about five different ones. Nice. You know, they got the pork belly, they got the pulled pork, they got the classic, which my sister described as like a Taco Bell taco, but good. <laughs> you know, like the real ingredients, uh, chicken, fish. I mean, all different kinds, and. Again, I had five different kinds and they were out of this world. Their chips and guac were tremendous. And they were giving us pints of margaritas. I mean, I was pretty barbecued after that. Again, you're flying out, you know, you're kind of a little dehydrated from the trip and not a lot of sleep the night before. I had like a a bit about 4.15 to get our our flight. So luckily I was able to get a nice giant cup of coffee after Boulder. Lots of good coffee shops. Mm, We also found... So the place we went to, and I don't remember the name, I'll have to ask my sister. It was a coffee shop and then like a cheese and charcuterie place. And we picked up a bunch of awesome like dried meats because we wanted to have snacks around the, uh, the apartment or the condo. And we got this one and I, we almost threw it out. So we got this sausage and like a, like a dried salami, but it was dry aged. You know, like you get like a dry aged steak and you know, they cut the mold off of it. Yeah. So we get the sausage and we open it and we're like, oh, it's all moldy. Like, shit, is it bad? <laughs> so we just start cutting it and eating it. We're like, uh, this tastes like burning. Like, should we be eating this? Because it was just, when you cut it into slices, you see the outside is the moldy part. Yeah. Still the, the, the good, moldy like, fine with it. Yeah. Salami middle part. So we're like, do we keep eating this? Should we chuck it? Luckily, we're like, let's put it back in the fridge and we'll see how we feel tomorrow. If we didn't puke or die, maybe we'll just keep eating it. 
There you go. And uh, Nick looked it up. He's like, dude, he's like, all you got to do is scrape this off. And he scraped <laughs> it off. I'm like, this is the best salami ever. So. When in doubt, scrape it off, man. When in doubt, scrape it off. So yeah, it was like a dry aged salami. And oh my God, it was, it was really good. So, we, cool. so the, the coffee shop and the cheeses were great. And the, the charcuterie was great. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So Boulder is a kick-ass town. Nice. Um, we stopped at, uh, I'm trying to remember the town. Uh, Cause on the way back, Nick's brother moved out there a few weeks ago, oh. weeks ago, like, like six weeks ago, like he's freshly moved wow. and met his family. I mean, I know them, but we met up with them and we got dinner or a lunch at this. Uh, it's like a chain restaurant. It's like Ted's Montana ranch or Ted's Wyoming ranch or something. Right. And it's, you know, a lot of elk and burgers and stuff. And isn't there a Ted's Montana grill? Out that's over? the one Ted's Montana yeah. grill. It's like a chain out there. Yeah. When we were out in um, Jackson, I think we saw one. Did we? Maybe. I've seen it somewhere else. Um, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it was, that was pretty good. But we, we did this drive to like where their, uh, where their house is. And there's this like beautiful, I posted a picture on Instagram, like this. I oh, mean, there's one in New York city. Is there really? That's where they're the ones that give the two. Oh, really? See. So when I was in the time life building, that's the one that was down in the, in the lobby. So there's a, um, Capitol grill. And then there's Ted's Montana grill in there too. Oh, really? And they have a grill. And they have a Buffalo Porterhouse that they serve there. And they give you all change with $2 bills. That's funny. That's their deal. Yeah, that's that's why it rang a bell. I was like, what? That sounds familiar. Yeah, that's that's the place. I guess it's obviously a bigger chain out there, but I guess they do a couple of them out. Yeah, New York Time Life Building. That's where it is. Yeah, nice. That's why I knew that. That's one thing I know. So yeah, yeah they had good stuff. All Buffalo stuff, and yeah. So yeah, there. we had Buffalo burgers. Yeah, just a quick lunch with um. Yeah, place is out. It was pretty good. Yeah. So um, it was Daniel's Park is the name of it, and I posted a picture on Instagram, and it was just, it's this beautiful like giant park, and you just have a, you can just see for miles. You see like the kind of the plateau, and then in the distance you see the Rockies and the snow caps, and it was just. Nice. Just beautiful. That was, it's kind of like South of Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think it's like Littleton ish area. I think that's where we ate at, at Ted's. Um, but yeah, great area. They just moved out there from Massachusetts. Like he's been out there skiing a, a bunch already. Wow. Part of the reason why he moved out there is to get more skiing in, but huh. yeah, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful area. I, I loved Colorado. You know, again, I've been to Telluride before, but this is more of getting to the Denver Boulder, getting that scene. And very nice. And you really question a lot of things in your life when you go out there. I mean, it was the same thing going to Jackson, even Utah. You you wonder why yeah. you are so far away from what you love doing when you have why the option to do it. Doing what you do. Yeah. So so speaking of Telluride, there was um, CO Avalanche Info posted something about there was a natural uh, avalanche that occurred in Telluride this morning uh, above the town of Telluride, and there's a picture of it. Now, I don't know if there's a fake picture, but it's pretty fucking crazy. Yeesh. It's the avalanche. I, I uh, saved it on our Instagram. You can take a look at it. Oh, nice. um, that be Instagram.com slash Ski Bum Podcast? That that's what it is. <laughs> and uh it looks pretty awesome. And you know, 
they post in there, like, be careful. It's like, you know, dangerous, considerable level three in a lot of the zones. So be cautious, like never underestimate it, even if you think you're in a safe place. So yeah, this is like, they have a picture of the town and then in the back of the town, you see this avalanche going. It looks like, it looks, I don't know, it looks surreal. I'm like, that looks pretty messed up. Damn. But it's a pretty big avalanche. It's scary stuff. Yeah, it is. It's avalanching. And all the postings are like avalanches or, you know, people are posting about avalanches. Oof. So do you have any other tips or things you would mention about Vail? Uh, no, I think you covered everything. I mean, I stayed on the in Vail and then did Beaver Creek. You stayed in Beaver Creek and then did Vail. So mm-hmm. I think uh, we did a recap of mine, like one of the past episodes. You could take a take a look at you know go through the archives on that one. But uh, no, it was a little different because uh, there's a little more party scene in, in Vail. You definitely, definitely. have like Garfinkels. They have you know, like I said, that that Bridge Street bar and. Um, a bunch of other bars in there that are that are open till like two in the morning, one in the morning. So if you if you want to get your party on, you can do it there. It's definitely set up for that. Yeah, way more than Beaver Creek is. That's for sure. Yeah, and we really took advantage of it because we went. It was kind of spring skiing weather, so everything was hard freeze at night. So it didn't pay to get up early and go because everything was ice. So we just kind of slept in a little bit and then went out. And you kind of ski late. And you do a later day. So. Um, that's what we do with that. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a nice area. It's just, um, kind of expensive, right? On the expensive side. Very, very expensive. And it's weird too, because it is right off the highway. Yeah. You know, you're just like highway off ramp in the village. Yep. But there's just nothing else out there. Just this Vale, the village, and then you just go down and then there's Eagle, Eagle Vale. And you know, it's, it's kind of all these little towns right off the highway. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, very cool. So yeah, so that's our, we'll have the recap posted. Again, we'll have some, not too many links in this, in the show notes for this, but when I put the blog post out later this week, there'll be a a ton of stuff there and I'll link in the show notes to the blog post if you want to uh, get the massive unabridged version of the trip, which I think is a fun read. So hopefully you guys will too. So be sure to look out for it at skibumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. First up, on the hunt for Gamalos cheese, Norway's Viking Viagra. <laughs> Crazy, right? That sounds, it's a great billing. Yeah, who wouldn't keep reading this article? <laughs> The story is about the quest for Norwegian cheese. And apparently there is a a cheese that they make in Norway called Gamalost or old cheese, uh, which is one of the world's most unusual cheeses, a hard crumbly cake marbled with cat hair like strands produced by a special mold. Damn. It's among Europe's oldest cheeses, a food that wasn't just eaten, but extolled for both its healing properties and its ability to boost the sexual prowess of men, a Mm. talent which earned Gamalost the moniker Viking Viagra. Wow. But while Gamalost was once fairly ubiquitous, a foodstuff produced by family-owned farms on Norway's the West Coast for local consumption, and more recently by larger industrialized farms, 
Only one commercial Gamalost dairy has survived changing Norway's tastes. Tyne Myriat Vik. I wish Andrea's dad was around so we could ask more in-depth questions about the Viking Viagra. Or like, perhaps oh, yeah. I eat Gamalos all the time. <laughs> or perhaps we don't want to know. You probably don't want to know. <laughs> and it's funny, it says it's not hard to understand why Gamalos consumption has declined over the years. The plunged brownish wow. cheese has a taste that's been compared to such appetizing flavors as a dog's bed and mm. old socks. Damn. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, apparently, like this, the younger generation is like not into this kind of stuff. While the old folks, who are still probably getting boners at ninety years old, are the ones that's still eating this cheese. That's right. That's pretty much what it comes down to. These guys are eating soy, and they're getting bitch tits. And these guys, these old folks, these old school Vikings, are Keeping eating this cheese. Yeah, they're staying hard. Way in the nineties, walking around eating cheese with a raging boner. That's right. It's crazy. That's how yeah. Norway rolls. <laughs> so this guy he goes on and starts questing for this cheese in this article and it looks weird like they have pictures of it and it looks like a bread almost. it looks like a or like a cheesecake with like yeah like a crumbly cheesecake yeah very weird looking mm-hmm. so it's the Vic dairy that's the one that's um that's known for having it and they they believe that the combination of its unique nutritional profile and taste can be a way to make this cheese part of the Norwegian diet again. So I think if Vic was running for president, he would say, make Norway great again by eating this cheese. That's right. I have here the Viking Viagra. How can you not want to try it? <laughs> and he said he actually finally found the cheese, not at a cheese shop or market, but at a breakfast smorgasbord. Wow. Of a Northern European hotel chain in Scandic in the city of Bergen. Wow. Yeah. He said the stately rind stood several inches off the table unmarred. No one had yet succumbed to its siren call (sighs) as he carefully cut the modest slice through the spindly cat hair like mold. Uh. The cheese crumbled around his knife. I scooped it all onto a plate and hastily retreated to my table. Finally, I thought finally, though gamalost is traditionally eaten on buttered bread or salted crackers and topped with sour cream and cranberry jelly or syrup, my first bite was naked. Just me and the cheese. I'd been tracking for weeks. I wish I could say I loved the flavor of gamalost. I didn't. Honestly, I didn't even like it. But at its core, old cheese is about more than taste. It's centuries of tradition, centuries of innovation, centuries of survival. And that, well, that's something worth loving. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you put it on with bread, you know, butter and jam on bread, and then you put a little of the cheese. I guess it works, right? Dude, if you're putting syrup <laughs> and sour cream on it, yeah, it's going to be good. You're, you're trying to kill the taste of it. Let's put it that way. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, there is a potential of me going to Norway this summer. So if yeah, I do, look for it. I, oh my God, I'm going to find it. It's got. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to taste like a dog's bed. I mean, who doesn't want to eat that? That's right, dude. That and some allure. Here you go. Isn't that mm. all from the same region? Have it's you noticed, gotta be from the same maker. It's all Scandinavian. Like you know, that's one thing you never see is like a Scandinavian chain restaurant. 
What would they have? Uh, yeah, really. They have this gross cheese. They have that shit they bury in that fish they bury in the ground. Oh, the rust fish. Rust fish or, uh, in that. Lutefisk, mm. yeah. Lutefisk, yeah. That's what they would be serving. Uh, They'd be open. <laughs> they would they would open on Friday. They would be closed by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Unless yeah. they had weed. Unless they then, weed. They're very they're very anti weed there. I know. But they could be the first one. We have your Viking Viagra and weed. That would be a party. <laughs> All right. Uh Mara, this up. is this is your baby right here. Yeah, I read this article. It's well written. This um, is bringing us home today. Yeah. So this uh this writer Kate Gray. So uh it's titled I made a sex club in the Sims and everyone got pregnant. <laughs> so I play a lot of video games here and there, and it just always amazes me. Like, so this person actually, you know, they said they were playing Sims 4 recently a lot, and they were buying all these expansions, and they were, um, I love how they, they put it, they were, she was double fisting mods and cheats into her hungry mouth. <laughs> so, um, if you know, in a lot of these games, they have all these mods that you can buy, you know, in-app purchases, or I think with this, if you're on the computer, you can buy mods that are, not made by the make game creator, but made by other people. Oh, I'm so definitely game- sure based on these pictures, these are not made by the <laughs> folks who make the Sims. But the best part is it uses the Sims backbone and it just has a mod to show everything. So like um, this this one mod, Wicked Whims, uh, they, they come out with new stuff all the time, like new um, sex locations and deeds every month. And what they do is, so Sims has sex in it. They just call it, uh, I think what they say, woohoo. And they hide everything either under like the little pixelated. Like pixelated, yeah, right. Yeah, or under under the covers or whatever. So with this mod, it basically lets you, let your little character have sex, like real sex, like, like, ever, like wherever and different positions and all sorts of stuff. So... She she got into this and she you know wrote this article. She said so her her latest experiment was she created a sim and uh, gave you know gave the name Riley Perrin and her goal in life was to be a famous actress, but she also wanted to to be a swinger. So all right, you want to live out your fantasy like this? So she downloaded this mod and with the expansion packs, you basically bang everywhere. Like it was like. She was having threesomes and all sorts of stuff. And then she created a club, a sex club with the catchy, with the catchy tagline. The first rule of sex club is have sex. So she created this sex club and there were certain rules around it. Like it had to be like, you had to be famous to get in. There was no clothes allowed. So I guess you set up rules on these little clubs that you could set up in this virtual reality area and uh, she set everything up and then she kind of watched as her little character, Riley, and friends banged on every available surface. So she said it was like, you know, double teamed on the bed, sofa, floor. Um, just The one thing she didn't realize, though, is that the setting for pregnancy likelihood was still set to 50%. And did not just apply for the try baby action, but to all vaginal penetration. So all three women in the sex club went home after the, after the first meeting, basically fertilized by the same pink haired man. So uh, they all got home after this whole big. That would be easy. Fabulous. I believe. 
is he fabulous? So <laughs> they all went home after that and they had little babies. So she said, you know, on and on this went banging, like in the sex club, out of the sex club. Um, yeah, she had three children, three children from different fathers. Yeah. And the funniest part is the people that own the father characters get notified that that's their kid. And, <laughs> and they try to call and talk to the kids during the thing. She said, it's creepy. So it's just, <laughs> It's just pretty fun though, pretty funny. So uh, as she got older, she got kicked out of the club because one of the settings were no old people. So <laughs> she said her, her children aren't famous enough to join, which means they won't be able to change the conditions. Um, so now she said sex club belongs to people outside of her, her little uh, family in The Sims. And uh, it's pretty fucked up. So. Wow. I guess if you have nothing else to do, play simulated, a simulated life. Why not do something like this, right? That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, the the article is very well written. It's uh, <laughs> and they have little, <laughs> they have like screenshots of like the stuff that was going on. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's visual. That's for sure. It's full on. That that mod actually works pretty well. Pretty hardcore, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, what's his name? Is he uh is he fabulous? Is he fabulous? Pink hair and blue glasses. Banging out kids left and right. There you go. So if you wanna if Sims is a little too benign for you, you can you can get super weird. You'd spice it up. Just spice make sure your kids don't play it afterwards. After That's you right. add those mods. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Crazy stuff. All right. So that wraps up the old podcast for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibonepodcast.com. We're on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all at skibonepodcast. We're on Pinterest, highfalutins, SoundCloud, highfalutin-skibon. We're also on YouTube. Search for us. And you can hit us up at skibonepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.